Hi everyone, my name is Price Payne, and I love movies, but I also love movie franchises. There's something so special about them that keeps people coming back over and over and over again to them. And studios, well, they love making money from them. But not all of them make money, and not all of them make fans happy. And then some of them don't make fans happy, but they still make a ton of money. And some, well, you know, that's what I'm here to talk about. My name's Price Payne, and this is Movies Money Madness. Alright everyone, this episode's going to be a little different, so if the audio is a little foggy or messed up, I apologize. We did an episode through a Zoom call, but I think all things considered, things sound pretty great. I hope you enjoy this episode about Back to the Future with my guest, Tony Barone. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the Movies Money Madness podcast, episode three. Today we have our first guest, and you may recognize him from the movie This Is You, directed by Rankin Dean. It's Tony Barone. What's going on, Tony? What's up? How are you? Doing good. So you know what movie we're talking about today. You know what franchise we're talking about, right? Yep. Back to the Future. That's right. Back to the Future. All right. Now, this is an interesting case because Back to the Future franchise is, well, it's basically considered over in terms of cinema. It's not making any more movies. No one's making any more, at least I hope they're not. That's a personal fan standpoint. And the reason I wanted you to have you on the show is because I don't think I've ever met a bigger fan of Back to the Future besides myself. So I hope you're excited to talk about some stuff today. I am. I absolutely am. I love the movies. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, is there any fun things that you, what did, what did uh, draw you to Back to the Future to begin with? What, what drew you to, to love it as much as you do? Uh, the, a few of the things that drew me to love it was uh, the concept of time travel. I'm a big fan of that. I love movies that involve time travel. Um, because I find it interesting concept. Um, something else that really drew me was the chemistry between um, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. I got a hot they, take. I still think Christopher Lloyd should have received an Oscar nomination for that performance. That's a hot take from myself. I I, I agree. <laughs> but yeah, also, I, I love it. Yeah, he did a he did a different like take on the character in the third movie, which I thought fit because he was in a different he was in a place that he's not even used to. Mm-hmm. I really like that performance of him in the third film, and we'll get to the third film eventually. But I really want to discuss the first one right now, if that's cool. Yeah. All right. So, Back to the Future came out in 1985, directed by Robert Zemeckis, and starred Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox in a star-making role. The film was about what else a kid trying to get back to the future to 1985 and just live his life but he causes some problems along the way and i Mm -hmm. think we know what that problem is he (laughs) stops his parents from meeting each other and what ensues is a bunch of hilarious but also very heartfelt moments that uh help him get back to the future (laughs) yeah so what's it i'm gonna i'm gonna be completely honest i haven't seen or sorry I didn't watch the first movie first. I watched the second film first. Really? I know. Yeah. I actually came into Back to the Future. I was channel surfing one day and the second film was on and I was like, this looks interesting. And this first movie actually came on right after it for whatever reason. Don't understand why. Uh, So I watched the second movie, really liked it, then watched the first one and I really loved it. And it's been one of my favorite films, if not one my favorite film of all time i love it so much yeah what's what's really interesting about it is like they not only express like how marty like went from a guy who was very laid back didn't care for anybody 
throughout mm-hmm. like the first film and then by the end he had so much concern for everything exactly he, and I, just great character development you know and that's just michael j fox exactly and like he Which wrote is, a like the letter he wrote to doc mm-hmm. hoping that he opened it in time to save himself yeah yeah i thought right. i it's one of the best things about that film to me so what's even more surprising to me is, do you know that Michael J. Fox was not the first person cast? In I did. It was actually I, Eric Stoltz, who is most known for his role in the movie Mask, but also you may have known him in Pulp Fiction. And they oh. actually filmed, they filmed with him for, I think, about three weeks. Really? Yeah. And, I, I, knew, uh, I knew they filmed with him. I just didn't know how long. Yeah, it was a, it was a good bit into production. And... They wanted Michael J. Fox from the start, but Michael J. Fox was committed to his work on Family Ties because that was the show that made him get his start. You know, it was his big break. So he wanted to stick with it no matter what. Yeah. And uh, they said, well, we can't work with that. So we're just going to cast this other kid. But as the weeks kept going on, Robert Zemeckis was like, I don't know, just something's not working. And he stopped the studio. He stopped the production. Uh, I feel kind of bad because he fired Eric Stoltz. <laughs> uh, <laughs> too bad for Eric Stoltz. But then they brought uh, Michael J. Fox in and they worked around his schedule. They filmed like every weekend. And it was pretty much to a point where Michael J. Fox was working 24-hour days. He would only get like three hours of sleep and he would come right on to set. Yeah. Jeez. I know. That's pretty incredible. It is. But it all paid off. The movie was the highest grossing film of that year, you know? Wow. And like the uh, there was like a different like recasting that happened between that and the second film with the girl that played Marty's Jennifer. girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Which is also really uh, it's really crazy. I can't remember the woman who played her. I'm gonna IMDb that real fast. The original Jennifer Parker. I do know she's on the show The Boys right now. Really? Um, yes, and she's pretty good on the oh, Boys. Oh, she the is she the person that's. I don't know what I forgot the name of the villain, but she's like, like the boss yeah. of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Claudia Wells. That was the original Jennifer Parker. And wait, I think that's right. I'm so the original Jennifer Parker was Claudia Wells, but the the second one is the one on the boys right now. I'm so sorry for the confusion, everyone. Elizabeth Shue who was in Back to the Future Part 2 and Part 3 is the one on The Boys currently, and she was also in Adventures in Babysitting and Leaving Las oh. Vegas. So, yeah. Uh, but, so, something a little crazy, because we just love to talk about how this franchise started, more than just the love right. of the film that we both share, is that no one wanted to make Back to the Future. Wait, it was no one? No one. So, Robert Zemeckis, who wrote the film and wanted to direct it, he wrote it with Bob Gale, and they had just had two failures at the box office they did 1941 with steven spielberg which is regarded as one of steven spielberg's worst films ever and they made another movie called used cars which is actually really good you should check out used cars sometime uh but it's it just didn't do good at the box office and critics at the time thought it wasn't great but it's aged pretty well so that had kurt russell in it and they had this screenplay written that they were trying to shop around for the longest time and Steven Spielberg said he would want to make it, but they decided they didn't want to work with Steven again because they'd worked with him in the past and they wanted to do it themselves. They didn't want to be known as the guy that the guys that Steven Spielberg work for, you know what I mean? Yeah. They work under him. 
So they went around everywhere to all these studios and no studio was taking the script. They went to Disney. And uh, do you know this story? You're a huge Disney fanatic, which it would surprise me if you didn't. I know Robert Zemeckis directed Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is under a shell corporation that uh, Disney owns. That's so right. So I know that. I, don't, I didn't know that they went to Disney for Back to the Future. So yeah, they, Disney was the last studio they went to because they figured they would say no. They gave them the script and the first thing they said was, oh, this is incest. You can't have the boy kissing his mom. You can't have this scene in there. We'll get out of here. And they just shoved him out of the door, which is so funny considering how often Robert Zemeckis would work with Disney in the future with uh, films like A Christmas Carol and Who Framed Roger Rabbit and things like that. Just kind of, that makes me laugh a little bit. So yeah. eventually though, they went back to Steven Spielberg who always loved the movie. And he, because he was big in the 80s, really big, he was mm -hmm. able to get it made like that. And they went right into production, like I said, had the thing with Eric Stoltz go on, but they went on and they pushed. And it was, uh, yeah, it was the highest grossing movie of its year, uh, which to comparison, the two highest grossing movies the years before that in 1983 were uh, Return of the Jedi. And then in 1984, yeah. it was The Temple of Doom. And so then Back to the Future was... <laughs> an original movie that made it, which is crazy to think of now that no original movies could probably ever make number one, which is, ugh, that's insane. Yeah, it's kind of sad too, because you look at movies back then, they were so unique. Mm -hmm. And now it's being like remakes or they're basing it off of a story that someone else made. Yeah, exactly. But um, pretty much after that movie was made, it was a, it was a huge hit. Critics loved it. Fans loved it. Tons of Oscar nominations. Uh, I believe it won for, I can't, I need to IMDb this too, myself. I act like I know everything on this show sometimes and half the time I don't know what I'm talking about. I think it won for visual effects though, if I'm being correct. Uh, I'm No, sound editing. It won for sound editing. That's what it won. Uh -huh. Sound mixing. Uh, but yeah, so they in intended on leaving it on that cliffhanger and not doing any sequels. They just thought it was the perfect ending. But after a while, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, after working on a couple other movies, were like, why don't we do a sequel? We could do this. And they got Christopher Lloyd and them back. And in 1989, we got the sequel to Back to the Future, Back to the Future Part 2. Which, what do you think about the sequels to Back to the Future? A lot of people have mixed feelings. I, I like it. I do. I, my one frustration about it is that they couldn't, not everybody in the cast wanted to come back. Like the, mm -hmm. the dad, the guy who Crispin played. Um, yeah, he did not want to be a part of the sequel at all. Mm -hmm. and, and so they had to get used. Of course, they had old age makeup, which kind of helped. And they just had a guy that sounded like him and looked a little like. actually caused them a lawsuit, which is really funny. Yeah, he, didn't he sue him for like... He sued him for using his likeness, uh, which I think is... I mean, there. I understand that uh, completely because you don't want uh, to use your face in that. But you don't really see his face throughout the rest of the movies. If you go back and watch, he's yeah, very much in the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, Back I, to the Future Part Two, I have a soft spot for. I really like it. Uh, as a kid, I think it was the best. It was better than three. But as I get older, I think three is better. But I, I two has just got this really complicated script. It's like yeah. every time they're throwing you for this loop, 
but you can't deny that scene, like the hoverboard scene in the fake 2015. And who didn't celebrate Back to the Future Day? Did you? Did Back you celebrate? To, I, I did. I celebrated it. I bought myself a Pepsi and I went to church in my vest. It was it was great. Uh, yeah. That was a I, yes, successful film. <laughs> it is, and something something I really like, and it's something I realized when I like when I look back on the film. Is something I really like that they do is they they always have Marty play that guns that gunslinger game in some mm-hmm. way, especially yeah. in later in the third film, which we'll talk about. I'm guessing in a couple of minutes, um, they mm-hmm. like have him play an actual one with the actual pistol. How about a quick break? A fun fact about that, and the reason they did all of that, because you'll notice not a lot of that is in the first film. They don't have the whole calling him a chicken and, and gunslinging stuff. It's all in the second. And the reason they did that is because they originally only planned to make Back to the Future Part 2, not 3. But they huh. had so much that they wanted to do that they decided to just film the sequels back to back, which for 1989 and 1990 was unheard of back then. No movie did that ever. The right. big the movies that started that trend were the Lord of the Rings, which would come out about 10, 20 years later. Uh, but it was so no one really figured that much. So you see all these little traces of like this foreshadowing for the third film. And that's because they were all originally a part of the same script. Oh, OK. That yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense, because, yeah, like looking at it almost almost the only things that changed were like where they were and when they were and then um who they interacted with exactly the main core things that like the conflicts him going Mm -hmm. into a place to get a drink interacting with biff and that's why a lot of people have mixed feelings about the sequels because they essentially say they just do the same thing over again and they do this thing and especially the second one where you're seeing the same thing happen but you're just seeing another angle of it you know what i mean yeah they did this in avengers endgame where it was like oh we got to go look at what's happening with uh loki and all of this and you're seeing the same scene play out but it's just the those people in the background and to me i think that that's cool to watch what's going on in another place Mm -hmm. uh but i can understand how to some people that would be very frustrating watching that in a film so the reviews on back to the future part two are actually the least favorable of all three films. It's really? not they're not they're not by any means bad, but a lot of people do point out that they're just retreading a lot of the same ground. So it's uh it's really interesting to me. Uh yeah. but within that year, and I want to talk about this, uh there's a cartoon that came out before oh, yeah. the third film, Back to the Future, the animated series, which is really funny. So the guy who voiced Doc Brown on the show was uh dan castellaneta do you know who that is i don't he's homer simpson oh mm-hmm. oh the, i remember who he is now because of parks and rec yes he, was, uh, he used that guy in the he was, he was the radio, the radio. yeah so he was i was about to do the voice but i didn't want to i was i felt <laughs> a little awkward about it <laughs> but he ended up playing uh doc brown on the show and the show would follow doc and marty or doc and his kids Oh, sorry. I guess this came out right after the third film then. 
Uh, I must have my timeline all messed up, but I guess it's back to the future. So it's all perfect, you know? (laughs) So that cartoon came out for a little bit and that's the last bit of media we'd see for back to the future for a while. But the third film, when did the ride come out? The ride. That's a good question. Yes. Cause there's a ride at universal studios, which is, which got replaced by the Simpsons ride. Yes, that's right. I'm guessing the ride would have come out around, I don't know. We don't normally talk about rides on this show. This is the first time we've had to talk about a ride. Woo-hoo. The ride came out in 1991, so right after the third film, because the third gotcha. film released in 1990 and closed in 2007 for The Simpsons ride, probably because The Simpsons movie was coming out around that time. Yeah. 16 uh, years, though. That's pretty impressive. That's a, that's a good run. But Back to the Future Part 3, let's talk about that a little bit. They entered um, Mary Steenburgen into the cast, who's one of my favorite actresses. Uh, mm-hmm. She is an Academy Award winner, uh, and you may have seen her. Uh, I love her the most in this show called The Last Man on Earth uh, with Will Forte. I've heard of the show. And she uh, is married to Ted Danson, so she's been on episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I know her a lot from TV. Uh, some people know her more from film, but she's a great actress, and she yeah. plays Doc Brown's love interest in that film. So what did you think about her inclusion to the cast? I thought she was a good mix. I thought it was it was something that I kind of, while watching the second film, felt like Doc needed was somebody other than Marty to connect with and talk with. Mm-hmm. I felt exactly. like Marty had Jennifer and then he had Doc and it felt kind of like Doc was being dealt a shorthand. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, it just goes from when I get older, I just love that third film a lot more than the second but it's uh it adds another layer to the story that Mm -hmm. i think a lot of uh fans miss because you get this the first film uh a lot of people consider it the perfect screenplay and i i would be one of those people that says everything about it is virtually perfect there's a goal there's this hero and everything is met but there's all these things that happen along the way and it's just it's beat for beat you don't miss anything you know what i mean yeah the second film is what a lot of people call the most jumbled screenplay ever, which it kind of makes sense going back and watching it. But this, uh, it does. There, there's another little story element that comes from, from Clara, her character. And I think that a lot of people just, uh, they misconstrued it or misrepresented it as just, oh, they're just adding her in for whatever reason. But no, she's, she fits there perfectly. And I, I really love her addition to the cast, uh, yeah. even though it came so late in the game. Yeah, and it, and it seemed like what was great was she fit so well with Doc because when she went, she just got on the hoverboard and just everything, she just went with it. She was mm-hmm. a big sci-fi, like, like book reader. And she yeah. just loved it. And I'm like, this is perfect. And then when they showed up in the train at the end of the third film, I was like, perfect. This is Doc getting his his happy ending Mm -hmm. he's able to just go time travel with his family exactly so the sequels uh both were not the highest grossing films of their year sadly uh in 1989 though uh back to the future part two was the third highest grossing movie of all time beat out only by batman and indiana jones and the last crusade that makes sense yeah it does make a lot of sense and hey trey smith will be on talking about the batman uh franchise in the next episode so nice i am super excited about that we have a good friend there and then back to future part three uh was the sixth highest grossing film of its year uh and it was beat by total recall dances with wolves pretty women pretty woman sorry home alone and ghost 
So okay, yeah. yeah, the last three definitely make sense with why. And so it makes sense why the it, it definitely this franchise came out in a time where sequels didn't get bigger; they got smaller. So mm-hmm. that does make a lot of sense. Uh, but pretty much no movies came out after this, and pretty much everyone now is saying leave it where it's at and i completely agree with that you should leave back to the future where it is where it should stay with that trilogy but uh something recently came out a couple of weeks ago which was robert downey jr and tom holland uh uh deep faked onto these characters and universal briefly discussed the possibility of bringing it back which i don't know i have mixed feelings about if they were to bring it back or not what what do you think I don't think they should. I think that, I think that, yes, I do love Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland. I think they're great actors. And I think they- As Iron Man and Spider-Man, yeah. <laughs> not as Doc yeah. and Marty. Yeah, I think they could, I think they, if, if the film had never been done before, if mm-hmm. someone had just picked up the script when Robert Zemeckis made it and went, this looks interesting, we could probably do this right now, and then brought it forward, I'm sure it would do great. It would probably do really well. But I don't think they should ever remake Back to the Future. I think they should leave it in the area where it is. Personally, that's just my opinion. So the interesting thing about Back to the Future, and this is what gets me, is that uh, in the past couple of franchises I've talked about, they've either been dormant for a while and they come back every once in a while. And I've talked about uh, Star Wars and Jurassic Park. And both of those have very interesting histories where it's like Star Wars, everyone loved it and then everyone hated it. And now it's in like this weird mixed review kind of state. And then Jurassic Park only really had like one amazing movie, two very okay sequels, one okay movie, and then an okay sequel to that film, which I don't personally like. You can listen to that episode of the podcast (laughs) to get your information on that. But Back to the Future, where I think it's so interesting is that it has remained dormant for so long, yet it's still finding like new and new fans every year. Mm-hmm. So to have a franchise like that and only three films, uh, it just goes to show that sometimes less is more and that can be very well done because you still see merchandise for it everywhere. And then yeah. especially right now, something both you and I love, which has yeah. sadly been closed due to this outbreak of the coronavirus, but it's the Back to the Future musical that just aired at Manchester. Uh, yep. which if you should listen to some of those songs online, which I think is actually a great direction for the Back to the Future franchise to go. What would you say about that? I agree. I agree. Because um, there have been so many movie musicals. Um, and uh, side note, that's actually going to be a podcast I'm going to make is about musicals. All right. <laughs> um, hey, congrats. hey, there's a little plug for Tony's podcast. <laughs> Y'all should all go listen. <laughs> um. And the best thing about it is like Groundhog Day, Pretty Woman, you know, Legally Blonde. They're all movie musicals now. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, what could be the next one? Because the next big one, because they've had so many. And then I heard of Back to the Future. And then you you and me started talking about it when they started like even like just casting and all that. And then I was like, this is going to be great. And looking at the set, looking at who they cast, look, listening to the songs, I'm like, this is probably the best way they could have done this. Mm-hmm. And this is well, the best possible cast right now at this moment. Now, I agree completely. And I've been following this musical since its inception because they've been talking about it 
for the longest time, this musical. I think it first, the idea of it first came out around the 30th anniversary, 2015. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. When they yeah. were discussing it. Uh, but there are also talks about people who don't necessarily like movies or musicals based on film. Uh, and they can see that as overkill. But there's a very big difference, uh, I think, with Back to the Future. Because I think it just lends itself to the stage very well. And I think if yeah. you're going to keep this franchise going and keep it fresh in people's minds, to continue it would be very, I don't know. I just don't like the idea of continuing it on film. I think the idea of just showing people what makes it good in the first place is okay. Just for this particular franchise. I think especially yeah. it's just been a long disconnect away from it i mean can you even find a delorean anymore <laughs> honestly no but if i did i probably would buy it <laughs> i would probably buy one in a heartbeat oh my gosh well let me ask you this if you were to uh make a back to the future part four what would you make it about who would you hire to do it if robert zemeckis said he didn't want to come back or if you want to bring robert zemeckis back in because mm -hmm. he's, he's still a good director how, how would you do it tony I probably would do it. It would probably be similar to this Back to the Future game um, that was on PlayStation. It was um, the Telltale during, series. Yeah, uh, it was set during like the time of Al Capone and all that. Mm -hmm. Maybe have that. like Doc ask Marty to come and help him because maybe Clara or one of his kids was being like has accidentally gotten in trouble with Al Capone is now like mm -hmm. being held hostage and they had to find a way to get Al Capone arrested and at the same time save his kid. Yeah, that makes, I I probably, mean, that makes sense. Yeah, I probably would get Robert Zemeckis um, because I feel like he would, he would find a way to make everything still have its lighthearted moments while still being serious. Um, see, I would see if Michael J. Fox, because right now he, I mean, they could, they could de-age him like they did with, um, the Irishman, yeah, but so I feel what, like... What's your opinion on the whole de-aging thing? I, I like it, but there's there's moments when I'm watching a film with de-aging and I'm like, you can tell that either it's a different actor and they just plastered the face on, which I don't like it when they do that. I feel like it's sort of, sort of not, it's just not a good thing to do. Or you mm -hmm. can see that they're de-aged and, and it looks good, but you also see that they're moving with the age that they actually are. Yeah, I, I have very mixed feelings about it. I think to create a scene or an effect, it would work very well. But then you have this issue where a, a little while ago, they just announced that they were bringing James Dean back in a war film. And um, I, exactly. That's where I get a little, okay, because I understand in using it in a small part or a supporting role, or you have these older aged actors who want to do it. But when it comes to bringing someone back for an entire film, whether it's a lead role, and I'm guessing since it's James Dean, they're going to want to do that. I, I don't know. Uh, and I, I just know Robert Zemeckis is very big on the motion capture technology. He has made three motion capture films, uh, The Polar Express, Beowulf, and A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Uh, two of those I've seen. I haven't seen Beowulf, but Me either. Uh, I guarantee he would want to do something like that if you were to bring him back to this franchise. I mean, I think it would work well with um, with uh, Michael J. Fox, mm -hmm. but I feel I'm, my worry is Christopher 
Lloyd might not, I just, I'm not saying like he might be too old, but I, I feel like there's a chance that he might not want to because he might not like the idea of adding another movie. So they would have to find someone that's like him or, or give an explanation why he's gone and bring Clara back if she agrees. Exactly. Uh, see, I just think the time for a fourth film has kind of passed, but exactly. you can't put that past studios because studios are always going to want to bring something back. Uh, just It's just kind of how they work. It's the way of things. I mean, look at Ghostbusters. You saw what happened there. And uh, I feel like it's just, it is, it's a very untouchable movie series. It's a good movie series too. And I think it's something people just need to do things like with the musical or a cartoon series again. Would you be for uh, seeing a new animated series based on Back to the Future with today's technology? Oh, definitely. With today's technology, definitely. Because I think, especially if they did like 3D animation even, and made a 3D, like like something like that, or even regular animation, I feel like they could explore more time eras without feeling like they need to make certain sets. See, now, as a fan, what I personally want, and I've, uh, I've said this before, is I want a Netflix or like Hulu type animated show about Doc uh, and Clara's kids traveling through time. Yeah. Just like they would be probably teenagers or around our age, and they would just be driving the train and driving the DeLorean through time and the adventures they'd get into. And you could have the other actors come back and voice their other characters in different times, but... I think that would just be a very interesting show to see and it would keep the franchise alive again, you know, right. it would get fans interested in it. I just think it would, again, these are things I think that would keep the franchise going outside of making more films, you know? I agree. I think it would be really, I think it would be really creative to do that because, you know, we didn't really get a lot of Doc and Clara after the fact that she learned about time travel. Mm-hmm. We got it. We got that for like a brief moment. And we saw them really happy. And I think I think that would be really great if they did that. There's um there's a comic series. I didn't know if you knew about this. It yeah. explores a little bit of how Marty and Doc met before <laughs> like he started making Time Machine. Like they explored I didn't know about that's really cool. I didn't know about that. Yeah. It was it's like it's told from Doc Brown is, I guess, like, from what, how the comic started when I got it was, like, he's writing it down in a journal, and this is after the third film. And he said, me and Marty met this way, and it was, like, Marty broke into his laboratory and was caught in, uh, like, a trap that Doc made. Mm. And then, like, I think it was, was it Einstein? Yes. Right? Yeah, Einstein came and like started licking Marty, and then that's when Doc came out and offered Marty a chance to be his assistant. That's really cool. See, I've always wanted to know that story, and I think that would be cool to see in a, an animated format or something like that on a television show. Uh, because you really do, to quote John Mulaney, how did they become friends? <laughs> yeah. I, <don't> know. <laughs> I always wondered that while watching, I was like, there's such a big age gap here. This is. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it's just it's we're at a weird time for movies right now though tony let me tell you that everything's getting pushed back so that's the whole reason i wanted to do this podcast you know and just talk talk about franchises i think that's a good idea it is especially with like so many movies that people anticipated coming Mm -hmm. out like the end heights movies now been moved a complete year man if it's crazy it's a weird time Uh, but you know it's uh everyone gets through uh well tony i think that's about it for the day thanks for talking with me about back the future and stuff i know i kind of keep things a little short on my stuff uh on my end but uh i really appreciate that is there anything you want to plug besides your podcast coming out soon i'm guessing um i guess chicago uh the musical at the paramount where it's still apparently getting like ready for production we we are about to get our callback material for that, but come and see. It's going to be a good show. Cool, cool, cool. All right, Tony, Tony, thank you so much for being on it. Please go check out Tony's podcast when it comes out. Uh, is there a title for that podcast yet? Not yet. I'm still thinking of one. Well, I'll definitely make sure to plug it. I got to plug my friend Dylan Scott's podcast, Changing the Culture About Wrestling and WWE. Please go listen to that. And uh, Tony, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about one of my favorite and one of your favorite films. Thanks for having me. No problem. You guys have a nice day. We'll see y'all later. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I know things were a little different with the audio, but I really loved having a guest on my show. Next week, we will also have a guest, my friend Trey Smith, talking about Batman in film. So I hope you're all really excited about that. And please, please, please let me know if there's anything you want 